Hello, I'm Jill Baker. I'd like to welcome you to Hempstead Series of Inquest Podcast with Liz Stokes and Elspeth Rose, who are both members of Hempstead's healthcare advisory team. Liz and Elspeth cover inquests across the north of England and have experience in various coroner's courts. These podcasts will take listeners through the journey of an inquest, giving helpful background and advice. We would love to hear from you with any comments you have or suggestions or particular areas you would like to cover. And as usual, just simply email me at j.baker at hempsons.co.uk. So welcome to the fifth podcast in the series. Hello, Liz and hello, Elspeth. How are you two today? Hi, fine, thank you. Very well. Groundhog Day, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So Liz, um, if I can ask you to perhaps kick off this discussion and um, just give a little bit of an explanation about what conclusions are available. Okay, so we've reached the end of the inquest essentially, and we've talked previously about all the other information that's come through and, and the, the evidence that's been heard. And at the end of the inquest, the coroner has to form a conclusion of the um, cause of death. Conclusions used to be called verdicts in old language, but they're now called conclusions. So there's different types of conclusions that you can have. The short form conclusions are the things that you've probably heard before, things like um, natural causes, accident, misadventure uh, and suicide. And um, the standard for the conclusion is, is that of the balance on balance of probabilities. You might have heard of a recent case that's been in the press um, about the standard for suicide. But essentially, all the short form conclusions have to be determined on the balance of probabilities, whether it's more likely than not that that is the reason or the cause of that death. So that would be a short form conclusion. Elspeth, do you want to say a bit about what each one is? Or Yeah, I mean, like you said, there's um, a few that sort of we most commonly hear um, in the media. So, you, you know, uh, suicide or natural causes. Um, and even it's been determined that um, COVID-19 is a, um, if, if it's death by um, COVID, that is a natural cause. Um, of course, there's there's sometimes other factors involved um, that that uh, complicate matters, or or at least um, make the the cause of death a bit more complex. But um, there are these different short form conclusions, and I quite like the fun trivia fact of um, that it used to be called verdicts, but they changed it. Like you said, Liz, they changed it because they're they're moving away from this idea that it's a criminal hearing which it definitely is not and so they they don't want to use that terminology that conjures up this idea that we're in a criminal hearing so instead of verdicts it's conclusions just like you described but yeah there's there's different ones um and there's really you hear accident misadventure natural causes suicide uh unlawful killing less frequently used but still there and it's the basis really is that coroners should, where possible, try and provide a short form conclusion. So that's their first point of call. So if if the facts lend its um, lend themselves to it, they'll they'll do a short form conclusion. And part of the reason for that is to keep an eye on sort of statistics and trends. Actually, so for instance, if if there was a recording of suicide. And there were, for instance, maybe higher numbers in certain regions or parts of the country, then it may actually encourage uh, different funding into different mental health services, which is um, part of sort of the background for the, that kind of data. 
but then they can uh, also you may have heard narrative conclusions and do you, do you want to talk about that Liz or? Yeah I mean I, I don't know about you but I think in my experience the use of narrative conclusions is becoming increasing how has become more more wide used and mm. more off used actually particularly in circumstances that don't fit very in a straightforward way into a short form conclusion. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the now a narrative conclusion would be looking at the central issues of a, of a death and put those into a brief paragraph essentially as to describe um, how someone came by their death. Yeah, and they, they can do, um, I think this is where we sort of uh, link with our previous podcast about article two engagement and without trying to um, make things overly complex um, we we did mention that if there was article two engagement uh, then it affects the what the content of the if there is a narrative conclusion what can be included in that conclusion compared with a non-article two so if I start with the non-article two inquest, then the uh, short paragraph or, or sentence that will describe how someone came about their death um, is brief and it's neutral and clear and it's based on the factual evidence heard and the coroner should not express sort of judgment or opinion in that. However, if it's an article two inquest, then, um, as we mentioned before, the scope of the inquest is widened. So it's not just how someone came about their death, but in what circumstances they came about their death. So it means they have to um, and should really include slightly more information to be able to answer that aspect of the question and satisfy that part of the widened scope. And in Article 2 inquest, they can actually use judgmental language um, so for instance they could say something's uh, a process was insufficient or there was a failure to do xyz or something was inappropriate um, and it probably caused the death or they can even include items that possibly uh, contributed to the death now I know um, it's starting to go into semantics and this is where um, the lawyers probably this is where we get get um, more excitable but uh, the point is if it's article two then you obviously um, organizations need to be more prepared and uh, using their legal resource wisely because you there is the chance of having that judgmental language uh, being in the conclusion do you, is there anything I've missed there because that is um, that is quite a wide topic and a trying to a brief summary to explain it. No, I think you did it very well. But I think the non-article two narratives, as as you say, are brief, neutral, factual mm. statements. And um they're very they are very factual and very short and to the point. And as you say, the, the distinction is between that and, and article two, which people need to be aware of. Mm. As you say organizations need to be aware of that can be more ju judgmental and critical. Mm. Um and can then therefore therefore have a sort of a far wider reach um, following the inquest itself so yes mm -hmm. and that sort of brings on to the issue of causation which we haven't touched in um, mm. that that those issues within the conclusion 
generally needed to be those issues that directly caused or contributed to the death, specifically in a, a non-Article 2 inquest. Um, do you want to talk a little bit more about causation? So, so really, uh, just like you said, um, there's there needs to be a direct causal connection between the action or the omission um, and the death. And again, it starts getting more complicated because that contribution and that link needs to be um, more than trivial. Uh, more than a trivial contribution and this is where we start getting into complex discussions with the clinicians um, but this is really the the crux of a lot of the discussion and um, interest from the coroner's perspective throughout the inquest and will ultimately um, uh, guide them as to the most appropriate either short form conclusion or narrative conclusion and how that's that's described. And also, um, I would say flags the importance of really checking and understanding if there is a post-mortem report with a proposed cause of death, really make sure that um, the clinicians understand that because that can really affect, if they disagree with that, then they need to raise that ASAP because it can affect um, ultimately the conclusion and the direction of travel. Um, I suppose without getting thoroughly into a, a black hole of discussing causation, I would, I'd probably stop there because that's almost a separate podcast on its own. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the one thing I would say is that on causation is you often hear um, coroners questioning medical witnesses, particularly as, as to whether how far a factor has influenced the death. Um, to, to, to what extent is that causative, I think is essentially the, the, mm. the, the question on, on whether it's more probable than not that it was a, a fundamental factor rather than just another factor. So mm. I think if you're giving evidence, that's one thing just to be aware of, to, to have it clear in your head as to the extent, if possible, the extent to which something played a role or the extent mm. of that role that was played. But you're right, if you, we could get it, go down a rabbit hole of causation <laughs> if we're not careful. <laughs> Um, and then I suppose um, something we we uh, deal with, um, I wouldn't say a lot, but obviously as this is our bread and butter, we, we do encounter it, is the um, consideration of whether neglect is a factor and how that's incorporated. And often it's described, it's not a conclusion in itself, but it's almost like a rider. So an additional statement relating to neglect would be... Um, sort of added on and included in the usually a narrative um, conclusion in these circumstances and for neglect to be found um, there needs to be uh, under sort of the the case law uh, there needs to be a gross failure um, to provide basic medical attention to someone in a dependent position who couldn't access or provide that um, attention to themselves and import crucially had that care been provided or had that action not been provided depending on uh, the circumstances of the case that individual would have survived or at least their their life would have been prolonged and um, again that's quite a complex area 
but um, really the point for today's podcast is just that um, that would always be in the mind of sort of your legal representatives to try and counter those elements um, if possible um, counter sort of uh, and and show evidence to to rebut um, certain aspects of, of that so that the threshold is not met and therefore that rider is not included what what would you add to that Liz? Um, neglect is the word that all, often comes up at the end of an inquest doesn't it when when mm. representatives or families say I think there's been a, a, an issue of neglect in this matter and a, a couple of things I would just point out is that neglect isn't the same as negligence no. um, it's a different standard so it needs to be made absolutely clear um, and that the gross failure to provide the basic care intention has to be an ongoing um, or a continuing state of affairs or a continuing failure rather than just a very single individual failing that has given rise to again I say it's, it comes down to the case law and the 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 reaching the threshold which is a fairly high threshold to meet mm -hmm. a neglect standard so if there is a consideration of neglect in a conclusion that that you need to think about it when you're going into in, an inquest mm. um there's clearly some issues that need to have been thought about ahead of, of the inquest it shouldn't be a word that pops up towards the end of an inquest without having been given some thought about it yeah it shouldn't be a surprise um, it shouldn't be a surprise and it's um certainly not something that can be taken lightly if it does come into yeah, the conclusion um absolutely yeah, so this absolutely. is what we're here for. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> can contact us. <laughs> um, and I suppose the the last and maybe most obvious point is um, how these conclusions are actually recorded, because it's a bit of a given for us, isn't it? But um, lots of people sort of don't quite understand. So, um, Liz, do you want to talk about Form 2 or do you want me to take that <laughs> well going back even more basic than that so essentially and, and again it sounds like a stupid question but it's probably not it's it's around the record of inquest isn't it so at the end of the inquest the coroner has a form that needs to be completed and fills in the different section and provides details of um obviously the details of the deceased person and then and then the cause of the medical cause of death and then um details of the conclusion um that they're actually going to record on that in that box either as we've already talked about the short form or a narrative conclusion and that's that's where the record comes from yeah so this when I mentioned I realized I I said form two but form two is the record of inquest yeah. so and it is a form so when we started off these um, podcasts and we described the four statutory questions those questions are actually on that form um, and so need to be answered so that's why um having that in in mind and that's what the what is in mind of the coroner is throughout the inquest is answering those four questions so that they can actually complete this record of inquest or this form two that we mentioned um so i think that is a whistle stop tour of conclusions jill did that make sense to you <laughs> yes it did thanks elspeth and thanks liz i thought that was um really useful actually to sort of understand the different types of conclusions in particular and actually just going way you know the, the beginning of your discussion the, the terminology the fact that the word you know verdict is no longer used and and the terminology of conclusions I thought that was incredibly helpful actually just to have an understanding of that and I think 
you know, once again, you know, if we remember that there's, you know, bereaved family members and, and, and you know, it's a very sort of difficult situation, obviously, with these inquests, which we've touched on before, you know, this is what they're looking for. It's the conclusion, isn't it? I mean, this is the sort of whole area that um, is of, of great importance um, for them after going through the whole process. And I think just having that understanding of the various types was really helpful. So thank you, ladies, as usual. So um, thank you. yes, it, it just ends with me to sort of say, I hope our listeners have found that useful. And again, as I said at the beginning, you know, please do get in touch if you have any comments or indeed if you have any suggestions for other topics. Uh, my email address is j.baker at hempsons.co.uk. And our next podcast, so you can start looking forward to it already, which will be the final one in the series, is um, looking at Regulation 28 and um, PFD reports. So we shall be in touch again soon. Thanks, ladies. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.